0: heads, you're tuning in to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. This is Sharing Our Pairings, episode 105, All Out Kings. I'm your host, John, the Cigar Surgeon. Cigar Federation's Sharing Our Pairings brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Sharing Our Pairings is broadcast live around the world, picked up in the Armed Forces Radio Network. And of course, you can tune in at CigarFederation.com, where you can ask your questions, or you can tune in at YouTube.com, or now even Facebook Live, coming at you live. Lots of different ways to get your questions in. I am joined as always, by my co-host, Trippi Trent. Trippy, what's hey going buddy. on,
1: brother? Uh, like we were talking about before, it's been a little bit of a rough week with our refrigerator uh, going on the fritz, but hopefully we'll have that worked out later this week.
0: That's, a, um, that's just a bad deal. Do- that's a bad deal. You do not expect a major appliance to go down on you like that. Yeah,
1: and we, we've only had it for like 16 months. Uh, so it's kind of out of the blue and, uh, I need a cigar and a couple of drinks, I think.
0: Copy that. I am having a similar day. I, uh, try to get home for the show pretty early as I normally do to prepare. And unfortunately the traffic decided to do it in a different kind of way and make me work for it. So, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a scramble to get food and booze and cigars, but we're there. We're live. It's all good. We made it. We made it.
1: We we went live on time. That's mm-hmm. what's important.
0: But that be a lesson to you, Logan. I think we've got three years of sharing our pairings on time and now, uh, you know, the last few months of of cigar chat on time, every time, even with guests on time, every time. That's our new uh, slogan on time, every time here at CigarFederation.com. But of course, no, we're not here to talk about our schedule. We're not really here to talk about being on time. What we're here to talk about is pairing cigars and pairing beverages, which we're going to do in spades tonight. Right, Trippy?
1: Oh, we sure are. We got some good ones for tonight.
0: Some goodens. Goodens. So I'm going to hold this up because this is the cigar that Cigar Federation got the exclusive announcement on last year, the All Out Kings. Uh, I'm not going to plug the Cigar Federation store. You can buy from the Cigar Federation store, but neither Trippi or I hawk the wares at CigarFederation.com. We're not paid by the store of CigarFederation.com. So buy wherever, preferably your local B&M. Support your local B&M because those are the guys that fight for you. But if you can't find any local B&M, there's lots of online places that can hook you up. So this is the All Out Kings. This is, a, this is the cool, this is a collaboration between Willie Huron and Robert, Robert, uh, Robert the Madman Caldwell.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a big, it was a weird experience being there for the announcement uh, because the only person who really knew what was coming was Logan, yep. I think, and he didn't really even know exactly what was going on.
0: He was definitely um, in the vault.
1: Yeah, he, he definitely had like a peek behind the curtain, but I don't think he had all the details um and they didn't nobody had any details at that point they just had a name and William Caldwell uh, they hadn't even started blending it uh and it has made a lot of hype online mm-hmm. there's been a lot of hype behind this cigar and i in my opinion it lives up to it uh i think it's a, exactly what i kind of expected
0: now interestingly enough because i smoked the pre-release and you can't really judge a cigar by the pre-release because a lot of things can change between the time where it's a pre-release and it's an actual release but I just want to say, for the record, the only other people to have reviewed the re- the actual release gave it the exact same score that I gave the pre-release, which is a <laughs> ninety. And by the cigar federation standards, that is a box split. Box split. Anything in ninety above that means you got to go out and buy it. Like anything below ninety means you know, pick up a couple fivers, try it out, see if you like it, see if it's in your wheelhouse. Anything in the nineties means you got to ro- You got to run, not Get walk. On it. Get on it. So it's good. It's um. It's spicy, man. I I I uh, <laughs> I I was commenting before the show is because I I'm kind of lighting up late here, but look at that burn. So clean, so sharp. I was commenting that it didn't seem that spicy, and I'm changing my tune now because it's got some spice to it. It's got some. It's got some bite to it.
1: Yeah, I think it. It's weird because it starts off really rich and uh-huh. smooth, and then it ramps up the spice as you get going.
0: Like ramps up. Yeah. Like I was initially comparing it to sort of the because it's got a connecticut havano we're getting into the specs here but it's got a connecticut Havana wrapper and that reminded me a lot of the t52 a little bit of spiciness but i said oh it's not really as spicy as the t52 now it's you know it's like twice as spicy as the two to me you think so i don't, I don't yeah. get that
1: from it surprisingly it's
0: it's, it's a spicy meatball and you <laughs> know maybe it's uh, i did a little bit of um cleaning my palate before the show just to You know, I wanted to maximize my flavor experience tonight. And I was a little worried because I wasn't sure what to expect, whether it was going to stand up to all the beverages we have. But now that I'm smoking it, now that I'm about, you know, a quarter inch in, I think it's going to stand up just fine.
1: Yeah, I think so too. It reminds me, the flavor profile of this reminds me a lot of uh, Willie and Caldwell blending a Liga Unico. Mm. Like, they, it's in the same flavor profile as the Unico's Unico's, even though some of the fillers are definitely different from what they normally use in the League of Provada series, uh, which is where Caldwell's influence comes in.
0: So I'm going to I'm gonna get into the specs here for our audience who are curious what this is. So we're smoking, or at least I'm smoking the Smash tonight. Are you also smoking the Smash?
1: I am also smoking the Smash.
0: Okay, good. Then I will look like an idiot here or sound like an idiot for all of our podcast listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in. So first of all, the blurb back when it was announced last year, uh, exclusively at CigarFederation.com, JD commented that the collaboration with Caldwell and Willie was super fresh. It was great to watch the magic come together from each of the crews. There's a lot of creativity birthed into All Out Kings, which will resonate from the cigar taste profile to the imagery that smashes the expected. This is an extended family collaborative that knows how to get down. And the uh, we'll get into audience questions. The names are kind of co- cool. We got like, Give Me Your Lunch Money, which, you know, that just... I mean, that's that, just a great that's, name. That's, I mean, that's a... Logan wishes he had a name that good on the name count. So that's classic. You got the Smash. You got the Fourth Pose. Now, I don't know what the Fourth Pose is. You know, it's like a, you know, like a Kung Fu pose, or like, I don't know what the Fourth Pose is. And then uh, Forever Last. And the Smash is what we're smoking tonight. We've already mentioned that. It's a 5x52 Robusto, true Robusto. And the MSRP in this bad boy is 1380. Now, we kind of reported some of the original tobaccos. Back when we did the pre-release at CigarFederation.com. But um, Half Wheel, shout out to Half Wheel. They got a little bit more detail on some of the fillers. So I'm going to read this off. This is straight from Half Wheel. Um, although I did make a modification. It is It is a Connecticut Stock Cut Habana wrapper. Not just a Connecticut Habana wrapper. It's Stock Cut. It uses an Indonesian Sumatra wrapper, which is kind of cool. You don't see that a lot. At least I don't. Broadleaf Hero, which is awesome. And then for fillers, it's got a Dominican Republic Corojo 98. Corojo and then uh, Nicaraguan Esteli and Jalapa fillers, so you know, it's a hita. it's got some, it's got some beef to it.
1: Oh yeah, and you definitely, you can definitely taste a little bit of that Indonesian influence. Mm-hmm. You can definitely taste some of the broadleaf in there too.
0: Like I'm, I'm so, the pepper is like falling off a cliff now, all of a sudden, and I'm getting just this incredible creaminess, and I'm getting like, I want to say it's like an orange citrus without that bitterness underneath it. So like, there's a citrus quality there for me but I can see that very creamy. And of course you could, I mean, I don't know if our audience can see that, but the smoke production is what I expect from a Drew estate cigar. So yeah. Caldwell blended that, you know, tons of cigar and cool band, man. Like very cool band. It's good. Oh, it's got the fourth pose on there. It's like a, like a karate kick. It's too small to see, but kind of got Wait, a, it does uh, it's got like a, Oh no,
1: no, that's the, uh, that's the Caldwell logo mm. on these little gold coins here. The gold coins have the AOK, which is the All Out Kings logo.
0: It's got the Drew Estate
1: logo. logo. And then the Caldwell, which is, um, I don't remember. I think it's like a guy doing the Ministry of Silly Walks nice. for Money Python,
0: which is an awesome skit.
1: And uh, before we move on, we do have a quick question from Harley Holmes, which is what does stock cut mean? Um, so most people probably don't know the term. Um, and a lot of people who do probably don't know that almost all tobacco that comes out of Connecticut. Unless they are just doing something different for some reason, um, is stock cut. So stock normal priming is what they do in Nicaragua, for example. Most of Central America, they prime the leaves, which is where they they cut the bottom leaves off first, which are the seco leaves. Then they cut off the viso leaves a couple days later, and then lastly they cut off the lahero leaves, um, so that those get the most sun. With stock cutting, instead of priming them in that way, you chop the entire stock off and hang it upside down. So all of those nutrients are still being fed into the, uh, into the leaves. And that's why Connecticut broadleaf and Connecticut grown Habano typically are really thick and really oily.
0: That's like well you're done. Used to
1: seeing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, that was, like, even it.
0: that was, that was awesome. I don't, I don't, you know, no offense to Robbie, but I don't even know if Robbie could have, could have just boom, dropped that knowledge like that quick. There would have been a bit of hesitation. <laughs> Rob, Robbie's going to message me after the show and yell me. By the way, if uh, any of our audience are tuning in, hopefully everything is fine with the audio. We did make some tweaks from last week to this week. Um, For those who are technical, I did a low-pass noise filter and a low-pass noise cutoff. So the the levels that hopefully you've come to expect have gotten a little bit better. Just a little bit better. Cutting out some of that background noise. A little bit of a cutoff there. So hopefully... uh, Hopefully everyone's enjoying that smooth, easy listening at CigarFederation.com. dot com. But um, yeah, and I, I don't think I don't think you were on the safari, but I was on a safari. And the one in a lifetime experience that I can that that I can recount now is Jonathan Drew swinging a machete, demonstrating the stock cut method at the Drew Estate Cigar Safari. And there's nothing quite like seeing JD swing a machete around. It was it was. Um, it was, it was something else. It was
1: it I'd was be a little else. scared of that. JD can be pretty unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Fair uh, fair. I was not there for that
0: one. It was good times. Big A. And of course, meeting Robert, we didn't talk about meeting Robert Caldwell, because that was the the Drew State Cigar Safari is where they announced this project. So we got we did get the exclusive announcement. Someone did try to take our video, but we shut them down in short order because that's how we roll. I don't I don't like dropping DMCAs, but I tell you what, I will drop a DMCA. Like pow, pow, DMCA. You know what I'm saying? Just bam. So I had to, I had to drop the DMCA and take some suckers down. But that was the first chance I had to really sit down with Robert and chat about tobacco and chat about blending. And he's a he's a he's a cool guy, man. Like he's he's a really interesting interesting guy to hang with.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting guy for sure. That's a great word for it. He's a great matchup with uh JD. Oh. They're both on the uh the outskirts of normal, I would say.
0: Yeah, they're 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 characters, they're interesting people. And of course, uh, you know, shout out to Willie Herrera, who's the, the other, uh, tobacco mind giant in this project. And it's always a pleasure sitting now with, with Willie. He's just, he's such a big guy. Like he is a big dude. His mitts are like the size of my head and I don't have a big head, so that doesn't really help you, but he, he's got some big mitts and he's like a, he's like a gentle giant. He's a little bit like Omar. He's just so quiet. He doesn't he's one of those guys who doesn't say a lot, but when he has something to say everyone shuts up to listen because it's really interesting to hear, you know, exactly what it is. He has to say and listening to, to Willie talk about tobacco. I mean, I could you know, listen to that guy talk about tobacco for three hours straight and never be bored. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. W-
1: Willie's interesting because he's kind of the opposite of JD. Mm-hmm. He's very, uh, I don't know if introverted is the word, but he's very introspective. He keeps to himself, introspective. That's a great word for it. He kind of keeps to himself a little bit and he doesn't, uh, you know, he's just not a flamboyant guy. Like, like JD or even Caldwell are. Yeah. Got a little heat on that one.
0: Mm-hmm. She burns. I'll tell you that right now. Oh yeah. I was just doing that annoying thing that uh, podcast reviewers do, which is touch up my cigar every five seconds. <laughs> it's it, it. She burns. It's not a problem. So yeah. it's, it's definitely moved in at the halfway at the half inch part. Um, maybe full inch part here. It's really moved into the sort of creamy profile. I've still got a little bit of that, that citrusy quality again. When I say citrusy, it's you know that's a range of flavors in the citrus category because a lot of citrus has like a bit of a a tart tannic quality to it. It doesn't have that at all. It's just kind of that base citrus, almost like um, like a tropical citrus to it. Very subtle, very nice. And you know that to me that was kind of what was interesting about this collaboration because I find a lot of Roberts stuff and I love Roberts stuff is very nuanced. Like he goes for nuance, and I, that isn't to say that Willie doesn't go for nuance. But you think about a lot of the cigars like the Norteno willy blended i mean that's a that's a beefy in your face stick it does have a lot of range for flavor but it's a big stick like that's just a over the top stick you know what i'm saying
1: yeah it's, it's not what i would call nuanced and i think the only thing that caldwell's made that's not pretty much all nuance is the uh the last czar his mm. limited edition which he he very openly says that he just doesn't smoke that because it's too strong for him
0: yeah, I mean, he just doesn't like cigars that are, you know, that really full-body profile. He likes a medium-strength, medium, medium strength, full-bodied cigar, so, you know, it's not blowing you away with nicotine. It's got a lot of nuance and flavors. And so, like I said, it was an interesting thing to see these two different styles of blenders. Although, they do both like the smaller ring gauge stuff, which I, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And it, and it was a trip to see them roll cigars on safari just take leaves out of a bin and roll a cigar. And be like, try this, try this, try this. Mm-hmm. And they were just real, like, I think in the in the course of an hour, they rolled like fifteen cigars, no mold by hand, and were just smoking cigars. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, it was nuts to watch. They were just. It was. It was just interesting to see, like, kind of masters just play with tobacco.
0: Yeah. Just to your audience, you're tuned in to Sharing Our Prankings, episode 105, All Out Kings. I'm your host, John the Cigar Surgeon, joined by my co-host, Trippy Trent. We are broadcast around the world and picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. CigarFederation.com is where you can tune into the show or YouTube.com or even Facebook Live. For all our podcast listeners out there, I haven't forgotten about you. Thanks very much for tuning in and subscribing. I like to subscribe, especially when I'm driving. I don't, I don't like to watch while I'm driving. I like to listen. and I listen to everything, including other Podcasters out there because you know that's just how I roll. But sharing our pairings is brought to you by Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Talk to your local B and M. Get hooked up with the Heritage, the Heritage Maduro, maybe a Gurkha sampler pack. I mean, they guarantee to have Gurkhas in stock because Gurkhas are pretty much sold everywhere cigars are. They'll find the right Gurkha for you. Talk to your local B and M today. But it's time, Trippy. It's time.
1: Let's get to it.
0: Let's 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 let it up.
1: We've we've been sharing. We haven't been pairing yet.
0: We've been sharing, we haven't been pairing, and I'm I'm excited to pair tonight. Mm-hmm. responsibly even though so what have you got up first so first of all I got my, got my drink table over here this is an oldie but a goodie in my collection this was I believe from winning the 2015 NHL draft pool or uh, pool for the year pick and pool <laughs> which is the first time I've ever won I came very very close and I've lost many many times but this that year I, I secured my spot and this is the Glenn Morangi extremely rare 18 year old and this is in the one liter I think
1: uh, Looks like it.
0: Seven hundred fifty mils. Oh wow! Strange, strange bottle show Anyways, very cool. And uh, a little bit about Glen Morangie for those who haven't tuned in our previous shows and really should. Glen Morangie is a Northern Highlands distillery. They were founded in eighteen forty three. They first started producing in eighteen forty nine. So they've got pretty good records going back then. They uh, use six wash stills, six spirit stills, which is a lot because uh, they produce a lot of spirits. Six million liters of spirit per year, which is one point one point five eight million freedom gallons. And that's a lot of freedom being delivered into your glass. The 18-year is 43% ABV. And uh, what they do is they mature it for 15 years in American white oak casks. then about 30% is transferred into Spanish Oloroso casks. And then they, so about three years in Spanish Oloroso. And then when they both have reached the 18-year mark they vat them together to create a whiskey with rich bouquet and a full rounded flavor. And it's kind of reflected in the color because, you know, any spirit that's spent any kind of time in a Spanish cask is tends to have that really dark red, rich blood color to it. So it's just kind of got the hint of it. I mean, it's definitely got that on the nose. I get that. I mean, definitely get that um, American oak, which is immediately up front with like really light fruit, vanilla. But I also get that, that peppery um, cherry underneath that. So I'm excited to try that out. I'm also excited to know what you're pairing tonight. Trippy. what do you got up first?
1: So the first one I've got is also an oldie but a goodie. I think I've had this on the show at some point, but I don't remember. It's Yamasaki 12.
0: Oh, I love that. So good.
1: Uh, it's it's just a great kind of, uh, I would call it a starter Japanese. It's not on the super expensive side in most places. It's pretty expensive here. Um, but all Japanese whiskey is expensive here. That's just Uh, how the pricing works out here for some reason. It's
0: just how it is, man.
1: Yeah. And interestingly, when you were talking about yours, they also have six wash stills and six spirit stills, but they don't, as far as I can find, they don't disclose how much the Yamasaki distillery actually uh, outputs.
0: Now I'm going to throw you under the bus here, and do you know why the Japanese have so many stills? No. So interesting factoid that I've learned at uh, Past Tasting from people far more knowledgeable than me is that in Japanese whiskey... The, the whiskey houses, so there's really two how two big houses, which is the Suntory uh, Beam Company and Nikka, and then a couple independents, they don't share whiskey between each other versus the mm. Scottish style where, you know, if you're Glen Morangy, you want to take a cask from another distillery and bring it into your, your warehouse and bat it together to make your expression. You can do that. In the Japanese system, they tend not to do that. So the forced thing that they do is they have... These So in this case, six stills, and I can pretty much guarantee you that all six of those stills are different shapes and sizes versus the Scottish style where well, they'll have one type of, of style. They need to replace that still. They will replace a still to the exact specification, even if there's like a yeah. ding in the side, the exact specification, because they need to to, to reproduce that spirit exactly from that, that style of distillery. But in Japan, they have to produce a variety of different spirits. So they have a variety of different stills. Anyway, sorry to cut you off there.
1: Yeah, no worries. So that, that actually makes me wonder if some of the cheaper blended Japanese whiskeys are actually single malts that are marketed as blended because they're all coming from the same distillery or if there is a little bit of trading going on, just not nearly to the degree of, uh, of Scotland. So anyway, uh, they were there. They claim to be the oldest whiskey distillery in Japan. But as I talked about a few months ago with Agashi. I think that's what their name was. I can't remember if I'm mispronouncing that or not. Um, but they were founded in 1919, and Yamazaki started as the first whiskey distillery in 1923. So I think that that the reason they claim to be the oldest is because they were the first whiskey-exclusive distillery. Yeah. Um, that would be my guess.
0: You got it. I, Okay. Yep. Yeah, it was Ma- Masataka Takatsuro who went over to Scotland, and there's some really cool specials on Netflix about him, I think. But really? He over, yeah, he went over to Scotland and took an apprenticeship and brought the, and I mean like really brought the Scottish style of whiskey making to Japan. Like he, Mm -hmm. he was writing notes on like how big the concrete mash floor needed to be, you know, how tall their stills were, what the circumference was like this guy took immaculate notes because really his goal was not to, you know, try and do whiskey, the Japanese style. He wanted to do Scottish whiskey in Japan. And so they, you know, faithfully tried to reproduce it as, as close as possible, really.
1: And I I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, uh, if you gave somebody a Japanese whiskey and told them that it was a scotch, for the most part, not many people would be able to guess it. Uh, So Yamasaki clocks in at the Japanese norm of 43% alcohol. There was one other thing I wanted to say about this, but I lost it. So, how is your first pairing doing, John?
0: It's good. It's an interesting counterpoint to the cigar because the Glamorangi has a lot of fruity notes to it, which does run over that subtle nuance in the cigar, but it's also got a little bit of a salty briny quality to it, like just a hint as it finishes, which sort of super fires the creaminess in the cigar. I would say in this case, the whiskey, and it's kind of sad to say about an 18-year-old whiskey, but the cigar is definitely stronger than the whiskey. So in this case, the whiskey kind of serves to highlight some of the factors in the cigar. Not a bad pairing, but I don't think you'd necessarily want to reach for this particular 18-year-old whiskey with this cigar because... If you're, if you're pouring an 18-year-old whiskey, you probably want to be able to appreciate both. And in this case, really, I'm appreciating the cigar, not necessarily appreciating all the nuance in the whiskey, although, like I said, it's it's pretty tasty.
1: Yeah, that's not always a bad thing in a pairing, but I, I would call it a bad thing when you've got a really nice bottle of whiskey and and you're not getting all of those nuances that are so important and really the reason why you would want a nicer whiskey. Uh, if you've got an 8-year or a 10-year that performs that way, I'd I'd be pretty happy with
0: it. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. So, so go ahead,
1: you go ahead because I was going to talk about mine, but that's I, I was just going to
0: say, please go ahead and talk about that right. delicious Yamazaki. <laughs> uh,
1: so the nose has a little bit of smoke, but not very much, probably just from the, the the wood aging. But what I really get from the nose is a lot of pear and apple, and a little bit of like caramel hard candy. And then on the on the palate, it's I mean, it's just delightful. It's complex. Uh, it kind of coats your palate. It's kind of oily. Yeah. And it's got a lot of that pear kind of fruit forward kind of sweetness that I think goes really well with this cigar. Uh, but I'm kind of having the same experience as you, where the power of the cigar kind of hides a lot of the flavors in the whiskey. Mm-hmm. But this isn't as nice of a bottle as a Glenmorangie G18. Uh, so I'm not as as concerned with overrunning the flavors of the whiskey as you might be.
0: Although that Yamazaki 12, sometimes very hard to get and sometimes not on the cheap either because it's, uh, you know, ever since it got published in the Whiskey Bible, art sometimes yeah. hard to come by. At least the Yamazaki 18, I think, got published in the Whiskey Bible. So
1: I think it was, it was actually 25. Oh, really? I was reading about it today. Yeah.
0: Good Lord. But I think what's interesting about the Japanese, uh, because the whiskey, of course, takes on the characteristics of the wood. And most of the characteristics of the wood is where you're going to get a lot of the flavor. So using that the Japanese oak is interesting because you're talking about pears and apples. And that that to me is kind of the predominant flavor when I think about Mizunara wood is, is that bright, crisp green apple and pear. When I think about American oak, you know, I think about vanilla and I think about the light fruits like uh, strawberries and raspberries and that kind of thing. So yeah. it's interesting how the wood does impart different types of flavors, different kind of fruit.
1: So uh Bob Langmaid has a compliment on our hats. Nice. And we gotta give a shout out to Jesse at Subculture Studios. Subculture they, studios. they did the art for our hats and they turned out amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna zoom the camera in here and I've got the undercrown beanie or toque as we like to call it a bit better. And I got my baller shirt, which isn't quite what I wanted because it's a yeah. li- it's a little violent. It's you know, it's got the it's got the nail in the eye, it's a little on the violent side. oh no, it's, it's
1: in the nose. That's is it the in block oh it's head. in the
0: nose, that's right. Sorry
1: old circus trick.
0: The old circus trick. But it's cool. And I'm going to zoom in on yours here.
1: Yeah, I can't tell if you're zooming in, so I'm just holding my hat up.
0: Very cool. Uh,
1: But this one, I just gave it to them and said, put whatever you want on it. And they gave me this really nice kind of lake that I'm assuming is maybe Lake Nicaragua. Who knows? Uh, And then a big old Norteño logo there. And it's just a gorgeous hat. I love wearing it.
0: Some of the cool stuff you can get done if you go down on the Drew Estate Cigar Safari or on the Cigar Federation estate cigars which is where we got it done and subculture studios jesse's team will hook you up it's a good time if you haven't been down on cigar safari save yourself a couple boxes of cigars don't buy cigars for two months that'll cover your cost ish down to cigar safari and i'll tell you it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience stop saying i'm gonna do it next year start saving up now because uh next year is gonna start in just a couple months as they announce the dates in uh really june is typically when they kick it off
1: yeah and it's it's just such a blast like i can't I can't talk about it enough
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: because it, it really is kind of a, the experience of a lifetime. That's the only way to really describe it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm doing some retro hails here. And I have to say, retro hail in the Solo Kings, super clean. Um, again, you know, predominantly, and maybe just because the whiskey is running over so some of the subtle notes, extremely creamy. You know, I co- did the comparison to a T-52 when originally started, but this is a lot more nuanced than a T-52. Or a T-52, I think, is more in your face. This is a, a, a lot more approachable for a lot of cigar smokers, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there. It's, I mean, there's, there's not much more you can say than it's, it's Robert Caldwell's version of a T-52. Yeah, that's a good way to uh, it's, It's way more nuanced, and it's just got a, a huge depth of flavor, which you get with a T-52, but this is a different type of flavor. It's a little more, I guess you would call it a little more medium-bodied, not quite as in-your-face and strong as a T-52. Yeah. So and the, after that initial blast of pepper, it's not crazy spicy the rest of the way.
0: Mm-hmm. So if the T-52 scares you, pick up an All Out Kings. If you can find them. If you can find them, they're good. Just remind you to your audience, you're tuned in to Sharing Your Pangs, episode 105, All Out Kings. I'm your host, John, the Cigar Surgeon, joined as always by Tripper Trent, my co-host. We are broadcast around the world, picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Heard in over 85, 90 countries around the world. Thanks for all our podcast listeners, wherever you tune in in the world. Hope you have a chance to light up an o King's, have a pairing, or just enjoy the cigar by itself. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support and love and questions. Trippy, how are we doing on uh, questions on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube? Uh, Let me get
1: back to the Facebook page. I have a hard time. So one complaint about Facebook: if there's anybody from Facebook watching, you better listen. Um,
0: Can't see they make it really
1: hard. Yeah, they make it really hard to tell if we can. If I'm actually looking at all of the comments. Mm -hmm. And they don't always update when there's new comments. Jake Adams would like to thank you as an audio engineer for the uh, changes to the audio because he thinks it sounds great.
0: Nice. Thank you, Jake, because I have to say, and this is going to, I'm going to jump on my my horse here. I love listening to other podcasters, but one of the things you got to do if you run a podcast is you got to listen to your own podcast and you got to constantly be driving that improvement. Mm And some of the things that drive me crazy listening to other podcasts is uneven audio levels. It makes me nuts if I can't hear one of the one of the other guests or one of the other hosts. Their audio levels too high, too low, or background noise or static. All of these things drive me crazy. And I think a lot of people pay a lot of attention to video as we do. But at the end of the day, if you're listening via podcast, you can get ear fatigue if if some of those things aren't addressed. And uh, you know, I take that very very seriously.
1: And you know what, the the number one thing that drives me crazy with podcasts is when they, I don't know if there's really a name for it, but when they put the voices in stereo. Oh, yeah, So if I was listening to our podcast and 95% of my voice was in my right ear, 95% of your voice was in my left ear, that makes me crazy. Mm
0: -hmm. Don't do that. It's no good. But I'm Uh, excited. So go ahead.
1: We do have one more question that just popped up on Facebook. Bob wants to know, uh, what are the production numbers for the All Out Kings? I haven't heard. Uh, the last time I heard, I believe they were not disclosing the exact production numbers.
0: I mean, I, I shout out to Half Wheel. I know we run a, uh, we run a site at CigarFederation.com, but I have to give a shout out to uh, Charlie and Half Wheel and Patrick and everyone there who works hard because uh, they have, between them and Coop, uh, that's typically where I get my cigar information from because those guys do just a crap ton of research. Uh, if you're going to find production numbers, you're going to find them at half wheel, because I know that those, th- that information can be counted on. If you can't find it at half wheel, go to coop. And if coop doesn't have it,
1: nobody has it. Nobody
0: has it because between those two sites, that's, you know, that's 105%. Do the math. It's 105% of the information. you
1: need. <laughs> That sounds about right. So I'm ready. Are we ready to move on to our second. I'm pairing so here? ready. All right. And you get,
0: you're going to see why in a second here. I've been saving this bad boy. I found my, my stout collection. This Ooh. is the Americana, Americano stout. This is from Stone Brewing. Now, Stone is delicious and consistent and fantastic and amazing. And I don't even know when I bought this. I think I bought it like early in uh, early in 2016. But um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Stone, and then I'm going to talk about this beer. So Stone Brewing was founded by Greg Koch and Steve Wagner in San Diego in 1996. They are the 10th largest craft brewer in the world. They're so big that I don't even know you could call them a craft brewer anymore. But they're still classified as craft brewer. Um, they specialize in locally grown small farm ingredients, which is kind of cool, especially for a brewer of that size. This is the Americano Stout. And I'm going to talk about the specs. And I'm going to read because they have like a really cool thing on the back. And I love reading these, these things because I think they're valuable to our customers, to our, our audience. So it's an imperial style stout, 8.7% ABV, serves in 12-ounce bottles. Thank you for that. You can see it's got that nice stouty quality for audience. It's got a really, really thick viscous with that lovely, creamy head on it. Um, 65 IBUs, and that's the great thing about Stone is they have lots of specs on the site. Has a beer advocate rating of 99. 99. Wow. Featured hops, Amarillo, or Amarillo, if you're speaking Spanish. Cascade, Chinook, and Columbus. And I'm going to read the specs, uh, the little cool little story in the back. So the coffee notes in Stone Americana Stout are bold, rich, and full of American swagger. They incorporated a mother load of artisanal espresso beans into the mash. And added in Columbus, Chinook, Amarillo, Amarillo, and Cascade hops to invigorate the coffee taste with a slight citrus and resin hop presence. Coffee roasting like artisanal brewing. Has risen to be a true art form in recent decades. Techniques that blend art, science, and ingenuity have allowed roasters to create coffees that offer incredible depth, complexity, and nuance. When it came to selecting our coffee, we chose San Diego Roasters' Ryan Brothers Company. Uh, Ryan Co- Ryan Brothers Coffee, pardon, pardon me. These are the same guys who contributed their art to our sought-after 2013 Stone Espresso Imperial Russian Stout, which is also fantastic. Uh, their fantastic espresso helped us achieve the perfect match to our beer, one that's certain to satisfy your coffee fixation. Rest assured, not a single decaf bean was used in the process. Thank goodness. Now, I know somebody <laughs> else who does not sponsor the show, but runs a uh, runs a coffee company. I think you probably know of them too.
1: I think I've, I've heard of them. Oh,
0: it's got so much coffee. So I don't much know if I espresso. Want to plug them, though. I think we do. All right, we can do it. Lane Coffee. LaneCoffee.com. L A Y N E LaneCoffee.com. Check it out. Our. MFN CEO is running a coffee roasting business and check it out. Uh they offer a wide variety of of small batch roasted coffees. They don't sponsor the show, but they should. Check it out, lanecoffee.com. I'm gonna take some sips here.
1: Cause, uh, and I'm gonna finish plugging lanecoffee.com. Uh, their cop coffee is fantastic. Like I'm kind of a coffee geek. I drink coffee every day. Uh and you know, previously I would mostly buy the small batch stuff that's at the grocery stores around here since we have so many uh coffee roasters around here that it's very easy to find small batch coffee that you know exactly when it was made and all that logan is going to roast your coffee within 48 hours of getting it to you uh and it's just always so good i got my coffee of the month club yesterday and had some new indian coffee this morning Nice, it's fantastic
0: I do do actually really like Indian coffee, and we know that uh, he's busy with the coffee roasting business because he never bothers to respond to our emails or messages anymore. He's too busy roasting coffee.
1: Yeah, I've seen him in coffee roasting mode, and you don't even want to hear from him while he's roasting coffee.
0: So, Trippy, what do you got um, queued up for pairing number dose tonight?
1: Um, I went out and got something I thought I'd never had before and then I realized that they changed the name. So I've had this before, but not on the show. It's from Bull Run Distilling in Portland, Oregon. They Now, previously, they had started Bull Run Distilling, and they operated as Bull Run Distilling, but their main product was Temperance Trader uh, bourbon. or It might have been Temperance Trader whiskey. I don't know if it was classified as bourbon yet. Uh, but they unified their brands this year because the reason they started Bull Run was to make a Oregon single malt that's not a single malt in the uh, scotch sense. It's not supposed to taste like a scotch. It's supposed to taste like a single malt that was made in the Northwest, which sounds like a cool thing. I need to pick up a bottle of that. But this is their straight bourbon whiskey. It is 44.14% alcohol by volume, which is 88.28 proof. Um, Freedom proofs. This is freedom proofs. This is batch number 33 and bottle number 591. It's kind of cool that they print all that on the label. Mm -hmm. Um, Every every time you buy a bottle, you know when it was bottled. This one was bottled on November of 2016. Nice. Uh, And I just kind of appreciate having all that information. A few more interesting things about this distillery. They were founded in 2010 by a guy named Lee Madoff, who also founded another very prominent distillery in Portland called House Spirits. Uh, They make... Oh, I can't remember what the name of their their whiskeys are Uh, ahead of yourself there. Yeah, I did. Barrel Hitch. That's what it was called. Uh, I think I had that on the show before. That's the one that I remember. I I know I've talked to you about that was aged in Oregon oak barrels rather than um, just regular American oak barrels, which are a little bit different, uh, which actually this is also aged in American oak barrels or uh, sorry, Oregon oak barrels which is kind of in between American Oak and Mizunara. It's not as porous as Mizunara. It's not as hard as American Oak. And the spirit for this is it says is distilled in Indiana, and then they age and bottle it in Portland. Uh, I assume that means that they get it from uh, – what's the name of that giant
0: distillery? Oh, is it um, – MG Yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're a huge, huge distillery. Yeah, they're a
1: massive distillery that basically just makes spirits for other people for the most part. Uh, But that's where they get their raw spirit, and then they age it. Uh, So why don't I take a couple sips and let you talk about yours?
0: Well, let me say, first of all, it's good. And I was really concerned. Of all the pairings I've got tonight, this is the one I was really the most concerned about. Whenever you're pairing an Imperial Stout with any kind of cigar, there's always this concern in my head that you're going to run over the cigar. And it's not hard to do because— you know, we, t- we talked about this previously in the show that it's really important to match. When you're talking about a cigar, you match the strength of the cigar with the strength of the beverage. And Imperial Stouts are definitely on the high end of strength scale. In this case, it's a very interesting Imperial Stout because typically when I drink an Imperial Stout, obviously I get coffee, I might often get chocolate, but there's often um, a toasted malt, almost a bitterness to it. And I was a little concerned that this might be, you know, because it is an imperial stout, it might be a little on the bitter side, but almost no bitterness here at all. Really, what I get carried through is just tons and tons of balanced espresso, not bitter espresso coffee with a really nice balanced sweet creaminess underneath. And the and the sweetness, again, with imperial stouts, you can get imperial stouts that are almost cloyingly sweet, like just way over the top. The chocolate in it is is a dark chocolate, so it's not super sweet. It's just got that core chocolatey flavor. And when paired with the cigar, I don't know if you guys have them in the States, but the Terry's Chocolate Orange, where it's it's that chocolate and orange. Is that
1: the orange you smash That's right. when it opens?
0: Which I don't seem, think it's
1: called Terry's, but we have something that does that. Okay,
0: which seems appropriate because the cigar is called Smash. So, you know, I naturally go there. But again, the fruity quality is not like an orange because it doesn't have that that, that sourness, that, you know, characteristic of a, of a orange, just the fruity notes. And the espresso in here is just so balanced that like, it, it makes me want to immediately pair a coffee with this cigar because that's kind of where it's taking me. But these two go together brilliantly. Like, This is one of the better pairings I've done in the past few shows because the coffee carries through the cigar. The cigar kind of picks up the baton, carries it through the rest of the way. Neither of them run over each other, and both of them are complementing the flavor profiles brilliantly. I'm really digging it.
1: So for this Bull Run uh, bourbon, I did not have a great pairing here. I Uh-oh. think that this cigar is just not made for bourbon. I think bourbon's a little too – this Uh-oh. particular bourbon is a little too spicy, a little too overly sweet to go well with this cigar. I, I think it'd go well with a lot of cigars, and I think I'll be bringing it back on the show for further pairings. Um, but it just does not go well with this cigar. It's a good bourbon, though. It's got some uh, vanilla. It's got, like I said, a lot of spice on the finish. And – it's just got uh, a different mouthfeel. It's kind of oilier than most bourbons, I think. Um, maybe it's my imagination, but it seems to have a little a little bit more viscosity than your typical bourbon.
0: Well, that's unfortunate because my third pairing of the night (spoiler alert) is a bourbon. So fingers. Well, I'm crossed. feeling
1: excited because my third pairing of the night is a stout. Ayo. So I'm excited now.
0: <laughs> I think I think you should be because, like I said, I, I think if I had a fiver or a box split of the Solo Kings. I'd be thinking, trying to trying to run it through a bunch of um, different milk stouts, maybe some, uh, I don't know, caramel stouts. Maybe even an oyster stout would be kind of funky with this. So uh, I think I've got some pairing options for me in the future. Actually, you know what would be really, really good with this is a iced coffee.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic with it. That would be so good.
0: Now, coffee is kind of cheating because too often cigars go well with coffee. And it could be the Indonesian wrapper on there, I don't know, or the Indonesian binder, pardon me. But, I mean, great pairing. Sorry, your pairing's not going very well.
1: No, that's all right. It happens. Can't win them all.
0: You can't win them all. So, if you go to scarfederation.com, you can get in your questions. You can go to Facebook, get in your questions. You can even go to YouTube, although we tend not to pick the questions from YouTube because it's tough to have uh, three platforms. But how's the audience doing, Trippy? we got any other questions? On the uh, I, was,
1: I was just going to interrupt you while you were saying that. We do have a question from our good old buddy Bob Dog Langmade. He wants to know what our favorite Imperial Stouts are. Tough question. I mean, Old Rasputin is like the one I I go to for Imperial Russians. Kind
0: of of sets the standard for Russian Imperial Stouts.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think of what other Imperial Stouts I drink frequently.
0: St. Ambrose out of uh, Quebec does an amazing Russian Imperial Stout and Oatmeal Stout. And what I tend to do with those is, I've got some here. I think I might have to bring one to the IPCPR. Uh, I think I've got one from 2012 and I've got one from 2014. And I just set them down in in my quote unquote cellar. And I just sit on them and I sit on them and sit on them because they're like ten and a half, eleven and a half percent percent And you can sit a stout down for a number of years and it just becomes richer, more complex, more uh, balanced. You know, Some of those oatmeal quality flavors or the, the, the imperial stout, maybe the toasted malt flavors kind of drop off a little bit. So it's a little bit more balanced. But that's been kind of a fun experiment for me, setting down stouts for three, four years, sometimes five years tasting after the fact. So St. Ambrose would definitely rank on the top of the charts for me.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times when you, you were talking before about those overly sweet stouts, those are the kind of stouts you really want to age because you yeah. lose a lot of that sweetness yeah. as they're aging. Uh, one of my other favorite Imperial stouts that is really hard to find anywhere but on the West Coast is Fort George Cavatica, I think it is. That's pronounced. a pronounced um, Cavatica stout. Uh, it's, it's just an amazing Dark, rich, stout.
0: Thanks for the question, Bob Dog. Thanks everyone for your questions. Again, you can get those questions at Facebook. You can also go to Scarfederation.com, the Sharing Our Pairings page, get those questions in. We still got about 20 minutes here on our regular segment. We'll probably do an after dark segment tonight, which is typically what follows our Armed Forces Radio Network segment because we got a bit of a cigar left. And frankly, it would be a waste not to it would. Care. But we- I do want to I do want to remind our audience that you are tuned in, to Sharing Our Pairings episode 105. All out kings. I am your host, John the Cigar Surgeon. And I am joined by my co-host, Trippy Trent, as always, and we are broadcast around the world, picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Thanks to all our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners who are out there just coming off of Easter. You guys are probably back at it wherever you're deployed. Hope you're staying safe. I actually had, uh, through my regular job, I had a, uh, I think it was a lieutenant colonel actually con- contact us, which is kind of cool, uh, asking about cigars he could get while deployed. He's deployed in Afghanistan right now. And, uh, you know, all I could think is, first of all, thanks so much for your service. And uh, really cool if there's any way I can, you know, figure that out, get them cigars. It's a little bit tougher shipping out from Canada than it is from the States, but. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure at the end of a long day of marching in the sand or wherever you're deployed, it's it's probably a nice treat to, to light up a cigar, I would.
1: Oh, I bet. It's a nice treat when you have a, a rough day at home. <laughs>
0: Let alone carrying uh, around 50, 60 pounds of gear.
1: Yeah, somebody, somebody was asking me the other day. How many people are are usually listening to our show? And I wish we had some some way to know. I mean, with podcasts, with YouTube, we get metrics. Uh,
0: well, we usually get about but the
1: radio show. We don't don't really know.
0: Oh, the radio show. Uh, we were told that it's over three million Armed Forces Radio Network listeners around the world. Three million. Wow. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, and that's not just how many ears that it's available to. That's how many people are actually hearing it. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome.
0: I think the total audience is um, well into the fifteen million range, but I think our audience is around three million. And I know we typically have about a hundred ish live listeners, and then uh, you know, depending on how interesting we are for the podcast. I know last week we had uh, over four hundred people tune in the first day our podcast came out, and then typically you know we'll have around a thousand listeners overall for a particular podcast episode. So that's kind of cool. Again, a lot of lot of podcast listeners out there. They they listen like I listen. I don't really. And to have a lot of time to listen live. So, uh, you know, I apologize to all the live shows out there, but I listen to all my content via podcast as well.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, podcasts are great. I, I listen to them while I'm working since I don't
0: commute. So, I'm sad to move on to my last pairing, mostly because this pairing has been so delicious, but I am moving on to one of my favorites. And if you see it in the stores, got to buy it. You got to pick it up. You just got to buy it. This is the Elijah oh, Craig yeah. 12 small batch. Talked about Elijah Craig a bunch, but I'm going to talk about him some more. Uh, They are under the Heaven Hills umbrella. Uh, Heaven Hills has a number of distilleries. Elijah Craig is one of them. The Elijah Craig is bottled from 200 barrels or less, so it's ultra small batch. That's why they call it small batch. And it gets his name from Reverend Elijah Craig, who started up the the distillery back in the day. Uh, They're the winner of the 2014 gold medal at the WSMA Spirits Tasting. Specs on the small batch, 12 years. It's 47%. I've kind of got my cool, thick, heavy glass here for this to kind of show it off. Oh, it I smells, like that glass. smells so good. It's actually a Jura, Jura, mass, or Jura uh, glass that I got a Jura tasting because I love Jura uh. as well. Now, if you can't get the 12-year, that's okay because they still offer the small batch. But they had to make a change. Uh, they basically announced early last year, they were dropping the 12-year age statement. So how it goes. It's a popular spirit, and unfortunately, you know, you can only offer an age statement as long as the barrels are around. So now what they say with the no age statement small batch is it's essentially a vatting of age statements between 8 and 12 years. They don't put an age statement on it. They want to have that flexibility that if they run out of 8-year, they can, you know, play around with that. Again, in an age statement whiskey, it's got to be the minimum year. So they, again, don't put the year on there anymore just to keep that flexibility. But unfortunately, it's a barrel inventory issue that they don't, they don't have spirit that's that aged anymore to do that 12-year.
1: Yeah, and I, I would think that at some point in the future, it's going to come back with the age statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is right now they just don't have enough older than 12-year-old barrels to make the amount of spirit they need to.
0: So talking about the nose here, uh, Elijah Craig is such a subtle bourbon for me. It's it's a very um, classy bourbon. It's not so rough mm-hmm. and, and in-your-face. And, I mean, it's just like orange peel, more that, that citrus quality. Very sweet. I don't get any hints of spices. I don't get that spicy corn nose at all. I'm excited to uh, take some sippies, so I'll let you talk about your last pairing, because I know you're pretty excited.
1: Yeah, and I've got a real weird beer here. Uh, This is Beer for Breakfast Stout from Dogfish Head down in Delaware. Uh, So Dogfish Head is generally known for their their stranger beers, their higher ABV beers, like their 120-minute IPA. They... They're just kind of known for going crazy. And this one, they went a little crazy. So what I read today is that they actually were the first people to make a breakfast stout and wow. call it a breakfast stout, which I'm I guess the definition of a breakfast stout is oatmeal and coffee, typically. Um, and so for their twentieth anniversary, which was twenty fourteen, for making that breakfast stout, they decided they wanted to make a real breakfast stout. And so this is a stout as they say on the label, is tricked out with all sorts of breakfast ingredients. Huge notes of coffee in the nose give way to sweet, smoky, and savory layers in the flavor. And then the the part they legally have to put on there, I believe, is ale brewed with and then what they put in it. So this is an ale brewed with scrapple. You know what scrapple is?
0: I have no idea what scrapple is. I've never even uh, heard that term before.
1: It's a meal that you make. Uh, it's from the northeast region of the U.S. and... I, I haven't eaten it in many years, so I don't remember exactly what's in it, but I think it's like corn, oatmeal, and pork. And it's typically the lower cuts of pork, so you end up with little bits of bone in there and stuff. Okay. And the way you cook it is kind of like a meatloaf, and then you slice off slices of the meatloaf. And the way that I usually used to eat it would be you take you cut a slice off, and then you fry it in a frying pan and chop it up with a spatula, yeah. and then you eat that for breakfast. Um, but they actually put that in their beer, uh, which is a little... Little it's interesting. different, it's different, and then they also have spices, coffee, and maple syrup with coffee added. Huh. so this is a, a kind of out there beer that I'm very excited to try. It comes in at 7.4% alcohol by volume, and it is in a nice little 12 ounce bottle.
0: Hold that back for, for,
1: for 7.4, I'm not too concerned about it. It's got a pig
0: on it. Do you, do you get the glass? I want to see how dark it is. I have a farmer
1: pig. Oh, yeah, there we go. It is opaque black mm. with just a little bit of head. So I'm going to take some sippies of this. Yeah, you are. Do what you think of your Elijah Craig pairing.
0: So I see what you're saying in the bourbon pairing for sure. And it's a shame. Part of the reason I want to go bourbon on here is because I know Jonathan Drew, who is having his spirit, Jonathan Drew brands. If you haven't followed Jonathan Drew brands, check out Jonathan Drew brands on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. He's got his launch of the Brixton mash destroyer. And I can't remember the other one, which I'm sure you'll remind me of.
1: Uh, dovetail. Dovetail. Thank Jay- you. John John Drew or Rye. John Drew Rye, favorite.
0: which is awesome. So uh, check those out. So that's why I went with the bourbon tonight. And you're right, it's a bit of a mismatch. It's kind of a mismatch across the board, really, even on an Elijah Craig, which I find very nuanced. I, I think what it is is it's just it's too sweet and it's too spicy for what this cigar is. And I think it's it's funny to me that a bourbon would be the wrong pairing, but an Imperial Stout would be such a right pairing because an Imperial Stout is can be so much more in your face than a, than a bourbon is. But in this case, delicious bourbon, which I love all day long, but it's just the wrong, this is a contrasting pairing all day long because the spice kind of competes with the cigar, the uh, corn sweetness there, even though the Elijah Craig is not overly sweet. It's just, it's the wrong combination of flavors. I mean, I'm going to enjoy both of them separately, but it makes me want to immediately go back to my, uh, to my Imperial stout. How is the first couple sips of your stout going?
1: Uh, This is a good stout. It's different. It starts off with, on the nose, you've got some smoke. You, there's definitely coffee and roasty malts in there. And then uh, you just get a hint of the maple syrup. And when you taste it, it's coffee and then salty and meaty. Funky. Which is very funky. Um, but then as, as you get used to it, it starts to get a little sweeter. You start to taste kind of the bitterness from the hops. Uh, I think it's really good. And I think it's a very good pairing.
0: Yeah, stouts, I think I think stouts, and again, it's it's, f- it's so funny to me because stouts can be such a hard pairing with cigars, but I think this cigar, this All Out Kings, would pair so well with such a wide variety of stouts. Porters, oatmeal stouts, Imperial Russian stouts, coffee stouts, milk stouts, even an oyster stout. I think I'm going to try that because oyster stouts have that bit of funk to them and a little bit of that salty quality, and I think that could be kind of interesting. The I, I do... The cigar is kind of fighting back against the bourbon. Like I'm getting a little bit of creaminess, which is accenting the bourbon. But again, I'm not really looking to accent the bourbon in this pairing. I'm really looking to accent the cigar. So it's kind of a kind of a huge miss for me, sadly.
1: Yeah, that make, that's exactly how I felt about the bourbon pairing. Um, I think that the reason the bourbon doesn't pair well is because bourbon re- typically pairs really well with spicy, sweet cigars. Mm-hmm. And though this cigar starts off with some spice and some sweet uh it really fades out and at this mm. point i'm not getting much sweetness from the cigar at all
0: yeah it's the cigar is just the, too too nuanced for the for the bourbon
1: yeah and the the bourbon sweetness just overruns it
0: so uh before i go back over my lineup and sort of grade it how uh any more notes any more feedback on that stout i'm not giving you a lot of time here as well oh we? it's just good it's just good it they good
1: it's just good i now that you mentioned oyster stout I, it does Get a little bit of that oyster stout just with the saltiness, I think, and that bit of funk from having pork product in it.
0: <laughs> By the way, I want to pl- plug uh, for Thursday nights, I want to plug uh, Cigar Coop has started a new show called The Primetime Show. You can find that at cigar-coop.com. You can find it on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to his podcast as well. It's all over the podcast catchers. Uh, Coop runs a great show, great industry information, great guests, great co-host. Uh, you got to check that out. So he just had his first episode last week good uh, good friend of ours uh, Casey Hughes from uh, crux cigars go crux herself was on the show and it was a good uh, really good episode check that out and of course our good friend Dave Burke at cigar jukebox check out Dave's cigar jukebox show he's one of the only the only show that pairs cigars with music and it's a fascinating show he's got, he got like hundreds of back episodes he's been doing it for a while so going back over my pairings tonight Kind of, uh, kind of a lot of misses tonight for me. Um, <laughs> which is really sad given the range of stuff we're doing tonight, but the uh, Glen Morangy, a bit of a miss. I'd, I'd kind of put that around an 86, 87, which is really sad for an 18 year old whiskey. Unfortunately, uh, you know, it's just, it's the wrong combination. And, and I'm not sure what the right combination w- would be. I think maybe a, a Glen Livet 15, um, or maybe one one of Glenn Morangy's, um, uh, La Quinta, I think it is La Quinta. Uh, they've got a bunch of uh, wine finished casks, uh, La Santa, and th- those might be kind of interesting. I think that might be a better. I can pairing. see a wine finish being really good. Yeah, because it's got it's got that wine character versus the uh, sherry character. Sherry is absolutely the wrong way to go with this cigar. You do not want a sherry fi- finished whiskey, in my opinion. Um, how about your first pairing? What would you what would you grade that first pairing?
1: Uh, the Yamazaki, I thought was a, a good pairing, but not a great pairing. I would probably pair that or rate that around an 89 maybe a 90 i okay. might go up to a 90 Not bad. Second. i think i think the fruitiness of the whiskey played really well with the kind of the fruit yeah. note from the cigar
0: yeah and i and i, and I think that's where you want to go you want a whiskey that's got a lot of fruitiness to it because i think that's the right way to go with the cigar for sure talking about the uh, stone brewing americano stout that to me was a 92 93 i think the only way i could get that score up would be with a, a milk or a Cold coffee, like a, uh iced coffee, or just a straight-up black coffee, maybe something from Lane Coffee, you don't know. That cool. might be a really interesting pairing, and I would, yeah, 93-94 for me. Uh, your second pairing of the night was definitely a miss, right?
1: Yeah, just absolutely a miss. Just a little too sweet and spicy, overran the flavors of the cigar. I would rate that one, like, probably an 82. I, I do not recommend that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be in that same category. Well, the Elijah Craig is one of my favorite bourbons of all time. Delicious, delicious bourbon. It's like an eighty two eighty three. Bourbon is just unfortunately the wrong way to go with this cigar. You know, as I think about that, I immediately my mind immediately goes to like ports and ice wines and stuff like that because I think that would be some interesting combinations with this cigar. But bourbon, unfortunately, is a big, big miss. 8283. And uh what about your last pairing of the night that you're uh enjoying right now?
1: Uh before I get to that, Casey Adulemi is making a joke saying maybe a nice rose.
0: Hey, you never okay. know.
1: I think a dry rosé could actually go with this.
0: It might actually go with <laughs> and that's And that's a uh, tough wine to pair, in my opinion. Uh,
1: my last pairing is the pairing of the night, easily. Uh, just a fantastic beer, fantastic cigar, and they meld together really well. Uh, I would give that one like a 93,
0: 94. Yeah. Stouts are the way to go. No question. Yeah, absolutely. If you like it is beers. a stouty cigar. Absolutely. And I mean, you could go with a lot of different soft drinks. You know, I think um, uh, a soft drink that's not super in your face, like a root beer, would be a really good combination with the All Kings. Yeah. Like like we said earlier, you can find the All Kings at a variety of different places. They are available in store now. Uh, we are smoking the Smash, and it is delicious. I like it. It's very good. Thanks to all our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners who are out there in the world. You guys are built to do things we are not, and we appreciate you. You're protecting our freedoms and listening to our 59 minutes of shenanigans, pairing spirits and beers, and whatnot with cigars. Thanks for tuning into our show. We'll be back next week. Actually, that's not true. We won't be back next week. We'll be taking a break next week because we're going to we have to, a we got a double to, header. We got a double header, which we'll talk about in our After Dark segment. So all of our live listeners, stay tuned for our After Dark segment coming up right after our Armed Forces Radio Network segment tonight. But as we always say on Sharing Our Pairings, uh, first of all, I want all of our Armed forces rated and listeners out there to have a great weekend and stay safe. As we say, we want you to drink better, but we want you to drink less. So this is the Sharing Our Pairings After Dark segment, where I get to just put us on a split camera and uh, and talk and smoke. And we just get to talk about whatever let's, we want. Talk nice. about whatever I want. This is our this is our live segment, which uh, only the hardcore listeners have tuned into, and we appreciate that. Uh, this is a really good cigar, and I mean, I'm, I'm smoking it paired tonight. But I might, I might actually upgrade my original 90 score to uh, maybe a 91, 92. It's still in the box yeah. split category. Like, this is a cigar I'm going to seek out, get some fivers of. But I, I wouldn't mind trying some of the other sizes.
1: Yeah, I really want to try. It's not just the name, but I really want to try the... Uh, give, give me your, your lunch, lunch
0: money. money. Absolutely.
1: Because uh, it's not only a great name, but it's also the Corona.
0: Big fan of Corona.
1: Yeah, which is typically my favorite size. And was it Harley? Yeah, Harley wanted to know about the names. We have no idea why he named that. I was, I was cool. I was guessing that Robert Caldwell carries around a notebook where, whenever he thinks of just a weird thing to call a cigar, he writes it down and then just stamps that on a box someday.
0: Well, I think talking about the talking about the Corona, I mean Willie and Caldwell, like we said at the beginning, are absolutely small ring gauge, sort of classic size cigar smokers, yeah. and that's reflected in the in the blends. Like talk about the uh, the Herrera Esteli. And for me, the best representation was the Lawnstill or the Herrera Absolutely. Esteli Miami Edition, which is the smaller ring gauge. So I feel like the Corona, at least it should, in my mind, really shine out in this cigar, and I'm I'm definitely going to be seeking those out for sure.
1: Yeah, me too. And I've I've now had every other size except the Corona, <laughs> <laughs> either in the re- either in the pre-release or the production
0: version. Nice, it's so good, such a good cigar. It's, I mean, it, I think what I like about this. Is that it? Definitely brings because again, like Drew Estate is really known for really you know full body medium full cigars, and I think this brings with Caldwell's influence. This kind of brings it back. I, sh- I, sh- I should correct that because Herrera Esteli is a nice medium bodied cigar, and that was really the first cigar that Willie yeah. blended with Drew Estate. So that kind of makes sense to me where it it pairs in nicely with Robert's style, pairs in nicely with Willie's style. It's a great representation, and especially at a time where a lot of collaborations fall flat, sadly. We've seen that yeah. far too often. The majority of, of collaborations just end up being a little muddled and fall flat. This is not the case.
1: Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a really successful collaboration. And I hope they make a lot more of these, because I'm going to smoke them.
0: Smoke them. So we got any other uh, audience questions? Any other comments? Any other comments uh, from our audience? Well, the,
1: the only other comment was Casey Alvalimi, uh recommending the Balvini Caribbean Cask 14. Mm. I haven't had that
0: one. That's the 14-year. Uh, and uh, Casey, if you see that on the shelf, buy it, because Balvenia is no longer producing the Caribbean cask. So it's a Caribbean rum cask that they age the uh, the, the Balvenian. Oh, it's so good. I actually saw it in uh, Cuba, of all places. It goes to show you how Cuba is starting to expand what's available. I would never thought I'd see that range of whiskeys on the shelf in Cuba, and I saw the 14-year uh, rum cask, and I was really tempted. I think they might actually do... An 18-year rum cask as well. But the 14-year rum cask typically up here, well, I want to say it runs like 120 120 buckaroos, 120 Canadian bucks. And uh, I think the, the 18-year is, is up there at the 160, 170 mark. So it's not inexpensive. Oof.
1: Yeah, that's actually not terrible for for an 18-year, especially as far as the increase from the 14 to the 18.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's really good. And I agree with him. I think that's where you want to be if you're pairing a whiskey with the All-Out Kings. You really want something... It's got more of that, that tropical fruit note. You know, Definitely stick with something that's been aged in American bourbon. Stay away from anything that's been aged in a sherry cask because that spicy sherry note. I mean, the fruit from the sherry would be good. But one of the things I like about sherry cast is it does have that spicy component. And I think the spicy component just doesn't play nice with the Yolo Kings.
1: Yeah, it, I, don't, I don't know exactly why, but it just does not work well together. It, it seems to cover up some of the nuance of that's the cigar.
0: Really a shame. Tasty cigar though. And you notice how like and this is not a knock by any stretch in the imagination Drew Estate, but when I smoke like a T fifty two, you get a lot of that mouthfeel after the fact. You know, like a lot of that oh, yeah. sort of leathery earthy component, like really coats your mouthfeel. The finish on the Olo Kings is very clean.
1: Yeah, most of the most of the Liga range has kind of like a a twelve hour finish. Mm-hmm. Where if you smoke one before bed and you don't brush good enough, you're gonna taste it when you wake up.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Not so in this case, like it's just, you know, like I go to taste the cigar after the draw and it's almost gone five to 10 seconds later. It's really tough to taste cigar anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really has a a surprisingly clean finish for the tobaccos that are in here. Typically you don't get that with Connecticut Habano, Connecticut Broadleaf.
0: That's all I got. Oh yeah. Right. We're going to talk about the double header. So we have a double header coming up next week because that's just how it works. And you know, I uh, I do work for a living, so it's a little tough. And I apologize in advance. Uh, we we aren't gonna. You know what? Maybe we'll do. We could do a pre-record. You know, we, we could. Be sneak, I'd be open to that. Sneak a pre-record because I, I do respect our audience. So maybe we can sneak a pre-record in on Saturday. I know you guys love the live show, but maybe we can sneak a pre-record in and uh, run that on Wednesday night at a regular scheduled time of 8 p.m. Eastern. We might make that happen. But we do have special guests on Tuesday and special guests on Thursday. Who's our special guest on Tuesday?
1: On Tuesday, we have got John Huber from Crown Head Cigars.
0: Nice.
1: Uh, He he just came out with a new Mule Kick and the new Drumstick this week.
0: And I haven't tried the new Drumstick or the new Mule Kick, but uh, I I think the blends are supposed to be the same as the original releases, from what I read.
1: That's what they say.
0: Kind of a huge fan of both, actually. I I went bananas over that drumstick, actually. I went like.
1: Yeah, I love the drumstick. I haven't had a Mule Kick, so I can't talk about that one. Um, and one thing I don't, I haven't seen the new mule kick. I've seen the new drumstick, and I really appreciate that he put a black footband on there, mm. just so you know it's the 2017.
0: And you know, I know there's a cost associated with it, but a footband does protect that foot from damage, incidental damage in your humidor. It's kind of a nice touch, and you know, that's that's classy. I like it. I like it. And uh, who do we got on Thursday?
1: On Thursday we have Phil Zanghi from Debonair Cigars, the the most interesting man in the business.
0: He's a fascinating guy. I'm re- I'm actually. <laughs> Phil is an easy guest to have because, you know, first of all, Phil is really interesting and you can ask Phil a question and he's going to answer it. He's not going to give you a one word answer. So uh, I recommend, highly recommend people to get their questions in for both those shows. We'll have those show pages up soon. maybe. Yeah, we're probably
1: not going to have time for a ton of questions for Phil because he is, I mean, you ask him a small question and he goes on and on with the most interesting stories you've ever heard in your life. He's
0: going to give you a lot of depth. He's going to yeah. ask that answer that question very completely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I went to an event to see Pedro, and he happened to be there. And I sat down next to him. Like I was, I just introduced myself, and he said, "Sit down. There's a free seat here." And I sat down next to him. And two hours later, I realized what time it was, and was like, "Wow, I've been talking to this guy for two hours."
0: Yeah, Phil. Phil, of course, uh, has the debonair ideal segment on uh, on cigar coops show, the primetime Coop show. And it's a great it's a great segment. I think it really, you know, speaks to his character because Phil doesn't just, it's not sort of a marketing thing. That's sort of Phil's lifestyle. Phil is all about being a classy, debonair guy. And, you know, he yeah. carries that through everywhere he goes. He, you know, he only has good things to say about people. He only has sent things that will build you up as a person. And, uh, yeah, he's just a super cool guy.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to have both of them on the show.
0: John's a cool guy as well. Don't get me wrong. I love John as well. He's a lot of fun, but i got to give my props to Phil because he's just a super classy guy.
1: Yeah, just class all the way.
0: So those will be at our regular scheduled time of 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. We will try and have a pre-recorded sharing our pairings. I'll get that show page up, and we'll see if we can get that out to you guys uh, next Wednesday. So we won't be able to take your questions, but we'll we'll try and make it interesting nonetheless. Any other uh, closing comments, questions, feedback?
1: Uh, No. Well, oh, Bob says that the uh, Indian motorcycle cigar is badass, and it is. That is such a good cigar. I don't know if you've had it.
0: I haven't. I've sadly, because I'm up in Canada, it's uh, it's often very tough for me to get my hands on uh, different cigars. I mean, the big rush for me is the IPCPR, because I get a yeah. bunch of samples. I go down to American stores, and I tend to pick up new stuff whenever I'm at a store, try a bunch of different stuff, bring it back with me. Mm-hmm. Such is the life of not leaving in freedomville america
1: <laughs> freedomville mm-hmm. yeah i can see how it could be tough
0: it's tough so thanks to all our live listeners thanks to all our podcast listeners thanks for everyone who's tunes in supports the show and uh, gets those questions in for the show like i said we'll be back on tuesday we'll have that up at our cigar federation show page but as we always say on we do want you to drink better but drink less